Hello, and welcome to Art Speaks, a new arts and culture podcast from Philips. I'm your host, Arnold Lehman. After a half century in the art world, mostly as a museum director in Baltimore and in Brooklyn, and five years at Philips as senior advisor, which means someone who is old, knows a lot of people, and isn't shy about voicing opinions, Hosting a series like this seems like a perfect fit for me. So for each episode, like today's, I'll be at my desk having a socially distant conversation with friends from the art world, artists, dealers, museum directors and curators, collectors, and critics, to learn from them how and what they are doing and what is on their minds today and for tomorrow. So let's get started with our conversation with my friend, gallerist Jeffrey Deitch. Where are you? I'm in New York City. Okay, good. I didn't know you'd be here or in LA. Well, you know, I'm a runner. And so it turned out, ironically, the running paths I use in Los Angeles and Griffith Park are shut down, but Central Park is open. So I'm able to start every day with a one hour run in the park, which is marvelous. It's the most beautiful time of year. And I've done that for 30 years now. It keeps me in shape, but more importantly, it focuses my mind. So I start every day with this discipline and focus. Yes, I knew you were a runner, but it's amazing that LA, which I know has been shut down pretty tightly, um, would be that closed, that Griffith Park, for which is an enormous park, um, would have that uh, issue. So you don't run around the reservoir. I do. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I have a complicated route of getting to the reservoir, running around the reservoir. I've done it for years, so it, it's, it's not that fast, but it's, it's an hour of run. And I don't listen to music or podcasts. So friends who tell me about the rewards of meditation, I listen. I say, well, that's what happens when I run. So I go into a kind of altered state. But sometimes I get some very good ideas from my writing and exhibitions, like the term post-human came up as I was rounding the reservoir about 30 years ago. <laughs> right, and that was quite an amazing, what you translated that into is pretty amazing. The, I tried in, in two things. I was trying to decide, and I went back and forth with you a little bit, as to when we first met, and we now know it's about 45 years ago, when you were at John Weber Gallery, um, upstairs at 420 Broadway, and I was often visiting um, Ileana Sonnabend um, in, the, in her gallery there as well. So 45 years, Jeffrey, that's amazing. And what you've accomplished is, I mean, I, I'm waiting for either an autobiography or a biography. <laughs> if I was more organized, I'm, I'm writing a book that's gone on for a couple of years now and I'm not finished yet. But if I was more organized, I would approach you um, to do an autobiography, which I would think was fascinating. Just in my mind, 
I, I remember so much this morning that Vanessa Beecroft exhibition and the celebration. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> yes, uh, I've participated in, in quite a few adventures. Not ready to write the book yet, still keeping some secrets. Well, you could give me a publication date. I mean, <laughs> that's what a relationship between an author and the subject of the autobiography, of the biography, not an autobiography, um, talk about. But I made that offer. Um, by the time I would finish writing it, um, <laughs> there would be time to give up those secrets. Um, but so after a couple of hundred exhibitions over all these years at Grand Street, at Worcester uh, Street, uh, in, in many other places, um, what is currently, uh, now with your gallery in LA, um, what is, what, what's focusing you right now? What are you are, what are you doing at this moment, except talking with me? So for each exhibition, book project, public project, I now ask the question, is this important? Is this something important to do? Because I'm approaching 68 years old and aware that I have to use my time very efficiently now. So in the past, I did lots of projects that were just interesting to me, fun, something to help a worthy artist. I still want to do that, but I want to apply the question to everything that I do. Is this important? So trying to be more ambitious. And so now in the gallery program in Los Angeles, in addition to working with younger artists, which I continue to do, I'm, I'm working with world-class artists and senior artists. So we opened with Ai Weiwei, and we have a lot in common in our interests. Uh, incredible show with Ai Weiwei. Uh, maybe, maybe his most ambitious gallery show ever a recently a fantastic exhibition of Judy Chicago's early work, focusing on what she did in Los Angeles. I just spoke to Judy two nights ago for this very program. And I spoke to Weiwei last week, um, speaking of overlapping of interests. Well, Arnold, see, this is amazing. So our interests have overlapped going back decades. So you asked me, in preparation for this Zoom call, when did we meet? And you had thought it was in the 80s and when you were director of the Baltimore Museum. And I said, Arnold, it's earlier. It goes back to the 70s. Amazing. But, but it, it's, it's very interesting over all these years how many interests we've shared. Andy Warhol, Ai Weiwei, Judy Chicago. Basquiat. Uh, well, we'll talk about the great Basquiat show that you presented at the museum and street art, many other things. We, we've, Kahinde Wiley, we, we've had so many rewarding collaborative projects. Uh, that is, I think, probably more in terms of your, your gallery career and your advocacy for artists I would say probably a much greater overlap than, than 
with anyone else. And it's remarkable because our lives were both so busy that we often saw one another and talked for a few minutes on a street corner. I mean, we never sat down for hours and hours as I would with Ileana, for instance, or sometimes even with Leo um, and have some almost serious conversations. But uh, it's, I think it's been telepathy. <laughs> yes. Well, also what you describe of this ongoing dialogue with five minute conversations on the street corner, uh, <laughs> there have been many of those. It, it's an example of how the art community changed. Okay, so I came in in the mid 1970s and I benefited from being able to sit with Leo Castelli for hours and be mentored by him uh, with Ileana pulling up a chair at the communal desk at 420 West Broadway and listening to the little jokes about opera. <laughs> it, it was remarkable. But it's unfortunately, our community, our art world has accelerated to such a point that just something very simple of saying, Arnold, uh, let's, let's visit, let's just talk for an hour. Uh, that became very, very challenging. And have to try to make time for these kinds of conversations. Actually, during this downturn, it, the conversations have not been in person, but over the telephone, on Zoom video, I've had numerous rewarding conversations, uh, more than I've had in several years. Well, speaking of um, similarities, I have to say that um, that has been the same for me. Uh, here you are, um, as I said, Weiwei and Judy. I spoke to Swoon um, a week or so ago. Um, Callie was, was wonderful. So I couldn't agree with you more, Jeffrey. Well, so a number of us have tried to look at this challenging situation we're in and asked, what can we do that's positive? What can we do to take advantage of it? So your Zoom talk series, that's a good example. We wouldn't have been doing this before. Uh, I've taken on a very ambitious project, you might have read about it, to begin to initiate a, a Los Angeles Gallery Association and galleryplatform.la, which is a, an online platform for all the Los Angeles galleries. And it's a very exciting situation there. And the reaction response has been so enthusiastic. Great. Every gallery that we invited said yes. And so much enthusiasm from collectors, museum directors. So we hope to turn this into something very dynamic that will have an important effect in making the Los Angeles art community more of a community. Well, it's LA, uh, which I've always enjoyed uh, going to those galleries, but uh, one, you have to have a car or someone drive you. 
because it's not like Soho or Chelsea or even the village years ago where you walk a couple of blocks and there are, you know, you, you could have seen 25 galleries in a, in a 25 minute period if you walk fast. Um, so you'd have to drive or um, make appointments long in advance so people can organize their calendars. And um, I, I always thought that was one of the drawbacks. There was no central communication vehicle. What you're proposing is exactly that. Right. There are very practical issues. So gallery maps and then something that visitors will appreciate, suggested gallery itineraries. So oh, yes. Okay, take this west side itinerary. It will take you three hours. This is the best route. So giving visitors practical information and maybe even organized group visits, we'll see. But this will give us a structure and a platform to create some of this coherence. Jeffrey, you could use me as a guinea pig. Those maps would be precious, and I'd be delighted when this thing is over to try them out for you and report back. Okay, We're, we are doing that. That is, that is great. When is that going to come about? The platform was online May 14th. It's important to do it now because some of the more experimental galleries need help with access to a wider group of collectors. So there are two purposes, to help with sales, keep all the galleries going, and then also to create excitement, sense of community. Yeah, that all really, really necessary. But one of the good things that I've noticed in my last, I haven't been in LA since last um, um, fall, um, is that at least in some of the areas, like the downtown galleries, um, there are what the neighborhoods in New York always had. There are bars, there are restaurants, there are places that you can go with a dealer or with artists uh, and with clients with, that are walkable. Uh, and before that, it was really difficult to do. So that infusion of some community spaces in these gallery districts, um, I think it's important. Are you giving information as to where you could grab a quick, terrific lunch? Good question, yes. So when people come to our gallery in Los Angeles, there are two questions that almost everyone asks. What other galleries should I visit? And is there a good place for lunch? So we have a laser-printed map in the drawer that we pull out for people <laughs> answering those questions. And I went over to Sean Reagan's gallery. It's around the corner. She has one too. Uh, so we will have standardized maps. And in addition to all these interesting new galleries in Los Angeles, there are so many interesting new restaurants that have a lot of parallels that people with vision doing their own thing. Uh, it's going to be challenging because of our current situation for a number of these places to stay open and sustain. Uh, we our, the community has to everyone has to help each other. Well, um, uh, you mentioned that the the restaurants and that you're recommending and uh, uh, Sean recommends. I was just remembering how many times I had lunch at Mezzogiorno. 
which is the only place for a long time that Ileana ever had lunch. We walked in, no one ever presented us a menu. Um, and after Ileana's death, I remember going in and you know, there's a plaque there that says reserved for Ileana Salander. Well, unfortunately, Mezzogiorno did not survive much longer. And, and then there have been a succession of restaurants that have opened and closed. It's, uh, it, none has really been able to stay on. But this, this is something, I was very fortunate, as you were, to enter into the art world when this European culture that was very important in the New York art community was still very, very strong. So almost all those wonderful people are gone now, but Leo and Ileana brought this European tradition. Well, you weren't gonna have lunch at your desk. You know, every day you had to go out and that was just the part of life that you went out to the carefully chosen restaurant and once you liked it, figured you liked it and they took care of you, you went virtually every day. Yeah. So uptown, Leo went every day to play odd right. in the Surrey Hotel when he switched to go to spending the day in the gallery downtown. It was Bellatos on Saturday and Mezzogiorno on weekdays. It was a ritual. Right. And I haven't been to, is Bellato still open? I hope it is. Um, a new incarnation. It's, a, it's actually very good and very crowded. Well, uh, but all of that combines to make for community, to make for uh, real engagement on the part of what I hope will be a younger community uh, who, who spends time with dealers. And even once in a while, if an artist happens to be there, because I learned more from speaking to dealers than I ever learned in graduate school certainly about contemporary art. And now even significant collectors um, don't spend as much time as they should speaking with dealers. Um, but instead, you know, as I always say, going to every um, art fair um, in the world, uh, the fairs that we love to hate and hate to love, uh, they absorb so much, but they don't, but there's no direction and direction and help and really good advice comes to the people who work with artists for years and years and years. Um, and so I hope that's one of the things that's going to change when we all come out of this and can take a little more time uh, speaking with those dealers who know more than I do or, or any collector knows. So there have been trends that have diminished this collector-dealer-artist dialogue over, over, over the past 25 years. So, of course, we spoke about the 70s where we would spend hours with Ileana and Leo. When I was at the John Weber Gallery, my area, which was where my typewriter was, where we had the files, it was like a narrow space, like a Pullman kitchen. And it was my desk chair. There was one other where the bookkeeper would sit when she came in one day a week. There were these Formica counters that 
I tried to keep clean. And it was an amazing thing. I, at the entire community, the great artists, great museum directors, critics, collectors, they would come in and sit on top of the Formica counters. And it was a clubhouse. And that went on every afternoon. It was, it, I was so privileged to be inside of that. And my role was to entertain people uh, uh, we waited for John Weber. <laughs> uh, and when I first opened Deitch Projects in the mid-90s, this kind of discourse happened. So it was before the acceleration of art fairs and auctions that focused on contemporary art and collect. every collector would visit. So they would come personally, people came from all over the world, and there was time to talk to people. But th that's more and more rare. So it turned into like a kind of speed dating, uh, five minute conversation at art fairs where you had to quickly go on to the next candidate or you would lose a sale. And, and then more recently, most of the major collectors now have the filter of an art advisor. I'm friendly with a lot of the art advisors who you know, some, are, some are really brilliant and give great advice, but I don't meet their clients. And so this essential part of the art discourse of the collector and the gallerist with the few of the artists sitting around, that only rarely takes place. And I, I hope that we can get back to some of that discourse, which was so stimulating and educational for me. I, I couldn't have built a career without it. Well, but when you think, and you've mentioned something that I think is really important, um, it's you and a handful of other um, uh, gallery people who have educated all of these art advisors to a large degree. But uh, I can really understand uh, how much of a concern that is, that that wall exists and that you don't see the ultimate, um, where these works will ultimately reside. Um, that would make me very frustrated, I must say. All right, switching for a moment. In terms of exhibitions, what's, what's going to open first, either in New York or LA? Well, okay, you know, that's, a lot is up in the air. That's hard to answer. Um, so it, it's, you know, see, in New York City, we have a challenge that almost everyone gets around with a subway or with a taxi. So we have this constraint with, do I want to get on the subway? Do I want to get into a taxi where someone who might be infected was just picked up. So in Los Angeles, you're in your own car and you know you can safely drive to a gallery and except for openings, which are very crowded in LA, most times during the day, there are three or four people in a gallery, if that. So I think it, it's, it will be easier to reopen the situation in Los Angeles. But it's, a, it's all up in the air, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
in, in, in one way, I'm very worried about how we're going to be able to absorb um, a lot of art coming up in New York. And in another, uh, I'm very eager for that to start happening again. Um, but I'm hoping that even the museums now, many are not gonna open until September, I believe. Um, and I was speaking to Dan Weiss the other day, um, and the, the, the trouble that the Met, not the trouble, but the challenges the Met is facing is unbelievable, just unbelievable. And then just take a part of that for everybody else. Um, but what do we do until then? You know, I've been thrilled to see all these virtual um, programs that the museums have put forward. And they've done a great job. And I really encourage people to go to some of those virtual programs because they're exciting, they're fun, not like being in a museum, not like being in a gallery, but uh, they could, they're helpful in tiding you over when you have this great appetite for art. So I can't wait to see what you do next. I, I always waited to see what your next invitation was, what the gossip was as to what you were doing. And no matter what the gossip was, no matter what the invitation said, the reward of coming in to see one of your exhibitions was greater than anyone could ever anticipate. And I say that very sincerely, and I know you know that. So let's look to the future. I won't get lost in LA anymore. I'll be well-fed at lunch, and I owe it all to you. Thank you, Jeffrey, very much. Thank you, Arnold. Let, let's keep the discourse going. Uh, it, we're, we're, we're now on year 46, so let's keep it going. Right, we could do a program called Elders Speak. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, thank you. Stay well, thank and you, I Arnold. appreciate your taking the time to do this. Okay. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was my great friend, Jeffrey Deitch. I hope you will join me next time on Art Speaks when artist Jeffrey Gibson will be with us.